Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. So you probably notice a different background today. Um, I rearranged some things in my house. So, uh, so I'll probably mess with this a little bit. Looks like I could use a little, use something here. <laughs> use a little something here. Keep it nice and busy. Um, there's my record collection behind me. And uh, some of my favorite things on the wall there um yeah so i just moved around um it's not as fancy in front of the bookcase all right there we go um good morning and welcome to revolution gathering um i hope you all had a a great now freak forget it no one's had a great week uh, it's been a horrible week you know, the world just continues to suffer and this country is continuing to suffer. Very, very saddened that we continue to watch uh, innocent folks be gunned down in public places. Um, you know, I mean, last, we we weren't, I wasn't here last week. I'll tell you what happened last week um, in a minute, but... You know, the last time we spoke, we were talking about the shooting in Buffalo of all the uh, African-American folks who done racist kid. And now, with this past week, we've had, you know, kids my, kids my kid's age, uh, you know. And so it's just... It's just been really tough, um, a tough time. One of the realities for me came when my kids, when Milo got back from school, and obviously the kids at school had been talking about it, the shooting, and he didn't even know how to ask me about it. He kind of made it, he's like, Dad, did you hear about the, he made gun thing and uh, with his hand, and, you know, and, and then Minnie goes, is that going to happen to us? And, and, uh, they were really, truly scared. You know, my kids were scared that um, that they could be, you know, that that could happen to them. And their dad was scared too, you know. We, we talked about it and, you know, their schools have fences and stuff around them. But, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was very surreal. Um, very devastating um so today i i am going to get up a bit political today so you know that always works so well for people like jerry falwell and pat roberts and i and my, and my dad now so i figured i'd just follow in their footsteps um no i i, I reason i i think christians are really bad at talking about politics <laughs> is because they always decide to stick you know they always pick a side and and then go like off the rails with it and it's all of a sudden it seems like that 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 uh politics and and politicians all of a sudden seem to you know take the place of of who they're following they're no longer following the teachings of christ they're following you know the the, the books in the bible now they're following you know their their faith all of a sudden seems to shift you ever notice that like right and left, you know, their faith, you know, because we all want concrete. We all want concrete, right? We all want to believe in something that's concrete, you know, so we start to think that maybe politics is the answer. And, uh, you know, it's just like legalism, you know, that's why we practice legalism because legalism sees, you know, cause and effect really quick. And so we follow legalism you know, tell people what to do, tell them how to think, you know, I know what to do, I know what's good, I know what's bad. It's very it's very binary, you know, and then politics are very similar 
And so often we just switch into that and go like, thinking that our politicians, you know, are gonna save the day. It's like, uh, blue no matter who, you know what I mean? And, and people were saying that uh, even when Bernie was still running and I was a big Bernie Sanders uh, supporter and uh, I wasn't a big supporter uh, of our current president and people were getting angry at me and calling me a Bernie bro and saying it's blue no matter who, I can't question someone else in my own party. Because we want these hard facts, you know, we want to put our, our faith in something bigger than us. And um, unfortunately, when you do that, you find out that, uh, that those people have clay shoes, you know, and uh, that those people aren't, uh, that those people are human too. And we're in a horrible situation. So I'm not here today to paint a beautiful picture or, 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 or great thing of good news. Um, what I'm here today is just to uh, hopefully encourage us as we continue this. I think we've been on a, like a, a three-year series of uh, arguing well or thinking well or disagreeing well and we will continue to head into that as, 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 as even as these horrific things happen because I think there is a answer to uh, issues that we're going through. Um, so usually I try to open this stuff up with, you know, some lighthearted banter and things like that. But man, it's just been a tough week. Like I just found out my daughter has COVID um, I just got a notice yesterday from, uh, my apartment complex that my rent's going up $200. <laughs> oh, but good news. I did get, uh, my eyeglasses should be ready in two weeks. So I'll have grown up eyeglasses. So I'll be able to read better out loud to you. And I know all of you have been waiting for that. We're just going to watch our membership, the membership, the group, the gathering triple in numbers because Jay's reading will be so much clearer. Um, so yeah, it's just been kind of one of those weeks, right? You know, um, one of those weeks. And what's sad is in, 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 in our country, we can say that because we've had more mass shootings than we've had days in this year. Um, so, so child deaths cause used to, you know, number one cause used to be car accidents and, and now it's bullets. More children have been killed by bullets than police officers. Um, so as a parent, uh, that concerns me, you know, and I hope as a parent, no matter what your party affiliation is, and I know that we have people with different affiliations here, which I'm really grateful for, to be honest with you, um, that that should be something that concerns you as well. Um, this is no time to tow any political line, in my uh, opinion, um, because I think both sides are, are, are trying to give us easy answers and appease us and then not do anything. Um, so, um, and I don't feel like I'm gonna be able to give you guys any answers, but what I wanna do is help you argue well, think well, breathe. I can already see things posting up about ideas on what people think we should do. I mean, see, that, that's what happens is, is, is I think we often don't have time to even discuss uh, ideas or what's going to happen without us going jumping right into the things of like, well, we just need to melt all down the guns and turn them into, you know, shovels or everybody needs a gun and so everybody's gonna get a gun and you know and, and schools are gonna you know look like prisons and you know I mean all those are like insane ideas okay those are just ideas that we have to realize is that we live in a split country that unless we learn to have conversation unless we learn how to argue well unless we're able to get different politicians in who are able to communicate with one another uh, Congress is, is sad on both sides it's pathetic these, these people can't even have uh, 
conversations and can't get anything done. Unless we can get people who can argue well, communicate well, we're never going to come to a place where at least we have some sort of uh, uh, compromise. You know, I mean, for example, uh, one I think a good compromise was is when they got rid of the automatic weapons. Uh, I think it was Clinton who signed the automatic weapons ban, you know, and it was, what was it, 10 years maybe? Um, you know, and a lot of really violent shootings, and especially public uh, shootings, went down. Um, so I think there's some common sense things that we need to, we need to you know, talk about and ask questions we got to ask. Um, it's just hard once you've let the cat out of the bag, you know, once you've said, oh, this is okay, you know, to turn those things on, but we have an epidemic. I remember 20 some odd years ago uh, at Revolution, we were in Atlanta and the day Columbine happened and sitting down with all the kids, um, sitting down with, with, with all, I mean, we were kids, we were all, I was a kid. You know, and talking about Columbine, and uh, and when really we just had an open discussion, and it was so shocking. And now it's like, you know, social media and all this stuff, and you just continuously hear of these mass shootings, and it's crazy how we numb ourselves uh, to the horror of what's going on. I mean, there's not even been any time to, to mourn our brothers and sisters in, in New York, in Buffalo, was it Buffalo? Um, and, and then, you know, now we're having to mourn these little children and it's just awful. And the police screwed up, they screwed up bad. You know, so this is start when you start to question, like, how do, who do we trust? Who do we, who do we believe in? And here, I, I wrote down some of my complaints, because I have to say, like, I have always tried to be a man of grace. I'm always trying to think well. And to be honest with you, I have really fought this week to not release some things publicly out of complete anger. Because I get very, very angry. And... Um, I'm not always thinking well, you know, it does, it takes time to, to, I have to really like just shut down and not react. And it's really tough because I just want to react because I'm so angry and I don't want to look into anything and I don't want to see anything. I mean, to be honest with you, Ted Cruz, that guy, Ted Cruz made me so angry. I, I, I just, I felt hatred in my heart towards that man this past week. I, like, I was just like, this guy is an idiot. He should be out of office. I was so angry. I was like, how can Republicans have this guy around? This guy makes, you know, he's an idiot. He, he doesn't care. He's not even willing to discuss this. You know, all these children are dead. And like, before like, they've even hit the morgue, he's talking about, you know, we're not going to have this discussion. And, you know, I'm still angry, obviously. Um, and I didn't put it all out there. You know, but the idea of like when he said the, that school should have one door, and, you know, the fact is that we should cater to people. We should cater to the violence now and turn our, our, our schools basically into safes or prisons is ridiculous. This is insane. And these are the people who are running our country, you know. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, hearing the response to, uh, oh, I can't. You see, luckily I didn't write his name down because um, the other guy made me so mad. Uh, uh, and I can't remember his name right now. Oh, thank goodness. It's going to come to me, though, because I know I shouldn't say it. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, one of the senators saying, well, we're not going to talk about, you know, race issues or, or protecting people under gun laws. Uh, for hate crimes, we're not going to talk about that because, you know, racism ended in the 60s. And I mean, I'm just going like, how do we continue to elect people? How do we continue to have people running our country 
who are, are just not smart people, who are just people who aren't able to communicate with others and don't live in reality. Um, Uh, the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, saying that it could have been worse. You know, I'm like, I, I, yeah, it could have been worse. The guy could have killed everybody in the school. It could always be worse, but please, you know, come on. To say it could have been worse is to, to, to play down those, those poor children calling 911 every 15 minutes from their classroom, begging for the police to come in, parents begging to go in, and then to say it could have been worse. I mean, we're... Now, you often see me say, don't scapegoat the right. And don't worry, I'm not scapegoating the right. You know, some of you even think I'm, I'm, I'm a little too kind to the to people on the right. But that's my job. My job is to love everybody and love, you know, try to work together. That's what, we're, this is, hey, guess what? It's the story we find ourselves in. I'm not creating the story. I'm in a story that I find myself in. And I think there's a way to do it. Now, I will say this. I was raised around guns. I loved guns as a kid. I didn't really shoot guns, but I had a lot of, toy guns. I used to gun to gun shops and buy holsters for my toy guns. I was raised by bodyguards who carried guns on their side. And these guys and women were salt of the earth people who I loved and are one of the reasons I'm sitting here in front of you today. So, you know, everything is not black and white. Um, you know, and those people had guns. You know why they had guns? To protect me and to protect my family um, from people who wanted to do us harm. Uh, one guy did kidnap a woman and said he wanted to get my sister, but she was too well protected, and he buried her alive. So, you know, I grew up around those. And my dad had a shotgun and some other kind of weapons in his his his, his closet. I don't think he would have known how to even put a bullet in them, but he had guns. <laughs> um, our neighbors had guns. I mean, I lived up in the South. Everybody had guns. Um, you know, one of my best friends is like a huge hunter, you know, he hunts and loves to hunt and there's always like a hunter enthusiast driving to crazy places to, to hunt. So I get it. I understand these things. Okay, folks. So those are things we have to look at and think about in this conversation. And right now, honestly, I'm not going to try to fix this conversation. This is just me throwing out some frustrations and then trying to give you some scholarship on what I think biblically is the way we should think and go. Okay? Um, so very frustrated with, with politicians right now. Very frustrated uh, uh, with, with conservatives. But, I, but with the idea of not wanting to scapegoat, let me put it this way. I, I'm, I also, you know... Joe Biden also, who said he's, he, he's going to work with people, you know, just gave $10,000 to Amazon. So, you know, um, I'm not very happy with Joe Biden. I think he's suffering from some sort of cognitive mental disorder. And it frightens me that we're so afraid of, of the right or we're so afraid of things that, that we as... as because I've grown up a Democrat, I honestly, I don't know what I am anymore. Uh, I really kind of reject both parties at this point because neither party seems to be out to help us. But Biden, you know, doesn't seem to be there and, and, and nobody's really saying anything. It's like you're a right-wing nut if you say like, oh, he, some of his speeches, he's forgetting words, he's not saying anything. And I went through this when I was a kid with Ronald Reagan. You know, near the end of Ronald Reagan's, you know, he had Alzheimer's. So, you know, you start to see these guys with, you know, and that's, that's your blue no matter who. Um, anyhow, um, and then seeing, you know, Biden say that he, he, he stands for workers' rights and, and stands with, you know, give $10 billion to Amazon this past week. Um, it just shows you, like, you know, no one's on our side, guys. These politicians aren't here for us. Uh, maybe a few of them are, but the politicians are, are, are politicians. And if we're putting our faith and hope into these folks, I mean, yeah, unfortunately, they're the people we have to work with, but none of them have the answer. You know, all of them are, 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 are more servants of capitalism than they are of the people.
And uh, unfortunately, we have to live with that. And so if I cannot, and the reason I point out the Biden thing is because I want some of my conservative friends to be like, feel comfortable to point out when you see people in your own party doing bad things and saying bad things, you know, be willing to say, hey, maybe I'm going to have to vote for a Democrat or a Republican Democrat say, hey, maybe I'm going to have to vote for a Republican. You know, this isn't a basketball team. You know, we need to serve for people who are willing to have hard conversations, you know. And, um, you know, I voted for Joe Biden. And, I, and sometimes I'm like, God, should I, should I have voted at all? You know, these are, the, these are thoughts I'm having. I'm just being human with you guys right now, being real. But the reason I do this is because there's a point to it. <laughs> and the point is not so you can give me therapy. The point is, is so I can encourage you and you can encourage me to think well, to have hard conversations, and to be transparent because we desperately need more transparency. You know, we don't need to quietly pull the party line while doubting in our head. If we talk about these doubts with each other, we realize the humanity of each other that we both worry, have worries about our own parties or our own systems and things like this, that they are not working. Then maybe we join together to change the system and not live in such a broken system and not be so polarized from one another. I mean, the idea of, of the things that have been happening in the government could lead to civil war, you know? And, I, and one side's gonna have a lot more guns than the other, uh, just so you know, that does happen. Um, but luckily they're pro-life, so we should be fine. Um, but uh, so, so politicians aside, um, like I said, a lot of my friends have, have weapons. You know, honestly, the main reason I don't have a weapon, I don't, I don't have a gun is because I was afraid I would, would, I would I, well, one, I, I really do subscribe to nonviolence and try to subscribe to nonviolence, but it's not always easy. And two, I, I, because of my mental health, I would be afraid I would take my own life with a, 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 with a gun. So that's why I don't own a, a, a firearm. Um, but when I was thinking about it, and biblically, like I, I said, okay, what, what would the Bible say? Because everybody wants to know what, what's the biblical stance, and everybody has different things, and they pull out, oh, well, you know, Peter had a sword, and <laughs> live by the sword, die by the sword, and you can debate those verses all time. And um, but you have to ask yourself, you know, in this situation, simply like, okay, if I'm going to follow the traditions and religion of Christianity, if Christianity is what I decided to dedicate to my life to, can I be, can we be honest with ourselves and read with what it says? Because you'll find a lot of people who have to go back to the Old Testament. And the, the, the hard thing is, is that Jesus really changed things. And people go, oh, Jesus didn't change a daughter. He did. He said, you know, you've heard it said, hate your enemy. An eye for an eye and tooth. I say, love your enemy and turn the other cheek. You know, so Jesus changed things. So you don't have a whole lot of um, uh, choice here. And I said, it's funny that I see these comments. People are like, oh, handguns are different than an assault rifle. You're right. But you know what a handgun and an assault rifle have in common? Is they're both made to kill people. They are both made to stop someone. Now, defensively, they are there usually to stop your enemy. They're usually there to kill someone before you are killed. But if I were to go to biblical scholarship, biblical scholarship says, Love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you. And if you look at the evidence of the men who wrote these letters, they were all killed by their government, uh, by mobs, uh, by people who were harmed them, and they, had, they did not defend themselves. They were all killed. Even Jesus was killed. Um, so, that being said... Um, when we look at what Jesus said about how we were, what Christianity, the first 100, 400 years of Christianity was a nonviolent faith. It was a faith that did not pick up arms, did not take arms, did not even practice in war, did not practice in the military and things like that. So when you look at that, the tough, the tough message there is, is that there was no room for having a weapon to, to destroy other people's lives. 
You can even argue that there might not have been reason to, they'd never even defended themselves. Now this would be insane 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. And if I lose you, I'm sorry, but what I'm trying to say is like, this is not me, this is biblical scholarship. Jesus said, love your enemies, be kind to those who persecute you. Paul was writing most of his letters at the end from prison, and eventually that led to his death. Um, you know, Peter crucified upside down. Um, the Apostle Paul was probably fed to dogs in capital punishment, a uh, type of capital punishment were for Christians. Um, these were persecuted people. Um, it's funny I, I, watching the numbers go down when you say some of this stuff because it gets people mad and it gets people angry, and I get it. You know, well, you're not saying what I want you to say. And that's tough, you know, because I have friends like my friend Pete. You know, it's like when we have conversations about this kind of stuff, he's not telling me what I want to hear. That's the thing about having hard conversations. That's the hard part about growth is sitting down with people and them not saying what you want them to hear. And so you're unable to listen. And it's almost a practice is that you have to practice to sit down and listen and talk to people you disagree with you know, in order to grow. And the problem is we don't want to do that because it kind of sucks, you know? And when it's emotional, we can argue. But I even found, like, I had an emotional conversation with somebody recently over politics, over abortion, and we got in a huge fight. And we both had to coach, walk out of the room. We were angry. We had to walk out of the room. This is a good friend of mine. We had to walk out of the damn room and breathe. And then sit down and apologize to each other because we really went, we went for it. You know, it, we went personal. And so, uh, you know, I understand that. I get that. I understand it takes time. We have to understand, oh, hey, if we get too passionate, we might have to step back and say, hey, I'm going to have to leave the room right now just because my emotions are getting too hard or I'm getting really angry, you know, because we really shouldn't. And when you argue well, you don't, you know, belittle a person. Uh, but it really takes time to learn how to do that. It really takes time to learn how to disagree well. But it is so, so necessary if we want to move forward in this world, if we want to have hard conversations, if we want true equality. You know, you have to learn to be disagreed with, you know. So I'm sorry, but this it, it, it's such a tough, tough place. So compare with the Bible, my, my scholarship, especially the New Testament, I would say would, would be like probably there's not a reason to own a gun unless you're hunting or doing something like that. Um, and now we live in a world where hunting is not even necessary. Now, I'm not saying this is my opinion because I have friends who are hunting, they love to hunt, and, and they cook the meal, and they use the animal, and they do all the stuff, and it's great. Um, but what I'm saying is, is, is like, biblically, it's just it's a nonviolence thing. Um, me personally, I, I think we need just better background stuff, therapy, uh, better interviews. I think it should just be tougher to get a, a, a weapon. I, I'm not into going, like, let's run into everybody's houses and take away the guns. But I'm also not in the idea of, like, let's make it easier or let's turn put one door in a school. I mean, when Ted Cruz said the idea was just to have schools with one door, I was like, you know... Tell me you've sold your soul to, you know, the, the gun organizations without telling me you sold your soul, you know. Um, but why do we talk about disagreeing well? You know, it's because I believe, because we believe this is what will change the world is if we learn to disagree well, if we learn to have tough conversations. But I believe if we disagree well, we can do better things. Um, I honestly believe the system is broken. I don't believe in either party. Um, I believe both parties are, are, are bad. You know, we talk a lot about not canceling others, <laughs> you know, and, and the problem for me and a lot is the left lets people, you know, really into canceling and shaming and, you know, no, no restoration. Um, and then the right, though, you know, it's like guns, you know, that's like the ultimate cancel. That's it. Shows over no, no reunion. You know what I mean? So we've, we've got these situations where I think we have to go to both groups and say, you know, this isn't, there's no redemption here. So how do we, we look at this? How do we talk about this? And how do we do it without demanding our own way? You know, 
that's the thing is one of the things in Corinthians 13 people often don't don't click into is when 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 Paul says love does not demand its own way because we live in communities such diverse communities and everybody has their own belief system their own way of growing up their own thoughts you know so how do we live in an area where we're not sitting there just saying it's my way or the highway this, this this horrible thing you know so you've got these really strange politicians who are like well i'm not even going to talk about it we're going to put doors on we're going to put one door on a school we're going to shell the doors and only one door will open and i guess the school will have no windows you know um you know or you have someone like governor abbott who's just like yeah i'm just could have been worse you're like are you kidding me you know um you know, or you have Joe Biden going like, man, we really need to do something about this, this gun issue in the country. And you're going like, dude, you're the president of the United States. I don't need to see you tweeting that we need to do something about this. You're the guy. Matter of fact, when you were running, you said in like your first few months, you would, would do something about, you know, better gun reform and regulations and background checks. And now you're saying it's nearly impossible. So you bait and switched us. You lied to us. You know, so it's like nobody here is, you know, telling us the truth. You know, and then we put our faith in these guys and think they're the heroes. You know, I mean, I feel like the one thing about Donald Trump was, you know, he might have been a bastard, but at least he was a bastard to our face. You know, um, I always think of it like churches, like churches who are like, anti-gay and then churches are like everybody's welcome come on in and then you get into the church and you get comfortable and they're like no you can't work here because you're a sinner but you can come and sit and eat with us but you can't volunteer either because we don't want you touching the kids you know i mean i always think of the politicians that way of like you know i think i would rather know off the front that the church doesn't want me there and doesn't want me to volunteer doesn't want me in the community than someone's like oh yeah come sit with us and we'll tell you how horrible you are you know, I, I kind of feel like that's the difference sometimes between those two parties or, uh, you know, anyway. Um, scapegoating is going to lead, I think, believe us, if we continue to scapegoat one another, I think, at least in this country, uh, it's going to lead us to war. Because really what happens is when we're unable to disagree and when we're able to disagree well, when we're afraid of conflict, when we avoid conflict, there's only two places to go is either complete agreement or war because we avoid that middle part of conflict, of seeing if there's a way to work things out. And I think we've got to learn to be comfortable within conflict. Uh, I think it's very important that we learn to be comfortable in conflict. So I'll say it again, I'm like a, just on repeat today, but, but not being able to argue well is going to lead to war. Fear and unwilling to have conflict is going to lead to war. You know, too much emotion and solid reaction without thinking, without stepping back, without breathing, without taking a moment to look at all the issues and how we can make this better, how we can come together to change things can lead to war. This is the hard work. And I think this is when it says, I died in my flesh, or when Paul says, you know, love never demands its own way. Um, you know, how do we honor those children that were killed this week? Or how do we honor those who were killed, my African-American brothers and sisters who were just killed in Buffalo? Or how do we honor the people who were killed in the churches or the kids killed in schools or the people killed in all the different places and public places? Because honestly, you know, these public shootings don't just happen in schools. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, put one door in the school and, and hopefully there's never a fire. But also, you know, churches and supermarkets, you know, and sports arenas and concerts, you know. I mean, musicians have been shot playing. You know, I mean, it's like, it's just, there's something within this country where we've got to come together and go, what's the issue? What's the problem? You know, what, what is the desire in, in our lives? Is, what is the brokenness? What is the... What is making people feel so bullied that they want to take people with them? You know, is it the desire for more? It could even be, and this sounds so like old guy, but 
You know, could it be the appearance that they see on social media all the time of perfect lives and they feel alone and they feel broken and everybody else is having a good time and their life's falling apart and they think those people should be punished because they don't know what it's like to suffer. You know, maybe we learn to share our suffering more. You know, maybe we learn to be more transparent about how tough life is. You know, we also live in a country with no medical insurance, like unless you have a particular type of job. So a lot of these people go along without medical care and, and forget about mental health care. We have almost zero mental health care unless you have insurance. And then you can only get particular types where you get hooked on medications. You know, it's not even the point where you're able to go to a psychoanalyst on health care to get proper care without medication. You usually have to go to places where you're put on medications. And then you're put on medications your whole life because big pharma's got to make the bottom line. You know what I mean? So we've got, like, it's not just guns, you know, <laughs> it's greed in all these different areas of this, of the world. And it's also broken people who are, who don't have any avenues to be fixed. It's a broken government. And I don't think either side really wants to help us, to be honest with you. I mean, my party stopped talking about healthcare, like almost two days after they got into office. So it's, it sucks that it's kind of up to us to try to make change. But we got to figure out ways. I mean, I think protesting is good, but what are other ways are tough conversations and not creating these little groups of us and them. You know, one of the things that Dr. King, why Dr. King struggled so much with speaking out against Vietnam is because he knew he had the ear of the president. And he knew if he had the ear of the president, he could get a lot more done uh, with social justice, with equality, you know, um, with, with the civil rights groups, you know, civil rights movement, if he had the ear of the president. But eventually he just said, I can't be quiet anymore. And what, so he spoke out against Vietnam and he lost the ear of the president. It was a very tough decision to make. And sometimes we're forced with those decisions. Uh, but to show you that those are the decisions that I wish we all had to live in more and more that because we were trying to have conversations with the people in the power. We were trying to make differences, you know, and not so we could have influence, not so we can be rich, not so that we can steer the direction of having a Christian nation. Because I think any religion that wants to steer its, its country into being representing only it is, is horrific, fascist, and, and sick, and occult, basically. And... Um, doesn't actually believe its religion is real, just believes that people should live their own way and that's complete legalism and it's kind of sick and gross. Um, you know, I'm gonna make my convictions a law. I mean, that's just, I can't find anything in, 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 in the Bible that says, you know, live in a, you know, make Christians, everybody Christians by law. Um, I would say that politicians who don't want to talk about different outcomes and aren't willing to talk about compromises and aren't willing to have these conversations, I just think they should be out automatically. And I would hope that my both sides party, when we see that kind of behavior in our politicians, we would just be like, this guy's out, we're voting him out. Matter of fact, I think we should be saying like, how do we campaign finances, you know, I mean, those are the things we have to think about, but they're not easy. They're not fun to tweet about. They're not fun to text about. They're not fun to talk about, but like, can't, you know, that kind of like, who can give much money? Can there be a cap to how much money can be given? Can we make sure our politicians, you know, can there be a term limits for, for these guys? So they're not lifelong, you know, billionaires, you know, uh, by the time they, they leave office, you know, maybe term limits for, for those folks, term limits for the, even the courts. You know, I mean, these are things I think as a community, if we want to change things, these are things that we, we need to start looking at. That's the problem is we just want to change all the big things and get them away, but these big things are, are, are actually like just part of the disease. You know, they're just these symptoms of the disease of these lower people who are, you know, may even come in with good intentions and then just people just come throwing money at them. You know, how do we change that? You know, how do we think about that? How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? How do we love our enemies as ourselves? You know, yeah, someone just wrote thoughts and prayers aren't working. Yeah, thoughts and prayers aren't working. We've got to go to work. And that's what I always loved about Dr. King. I mean, the man was always exhausted. You see pictures of him and he's just exhausted. 
and he was always working. He was always meeting with politicians and community leaders and different things like that to make changes, you know? And like when he went into a place to protest, you know, he had already talked to the leadership and knew the leadership wouldn't budge, so that's why the protest would begin. You know, but he made the effort to go meet with the leadership and to talk with them. And when I did some work based on his work, it was exhausting because you go meet with people. You know, I mean, there's so much that leads up to protesting, you know, or to making a public example. You know, you, you're, meeting, you're trying to meet with people. You're making phone calls. You are meeting with people. You're sitting down. You're having very emotional conversations. You know, um, it's tough work. And I think, you know, in this easy thing where everybody has an opinion. Let me, let me ease it up for you for a second. I just watched, I watched uh, the Obi-Wan uh, TV show yesterday. And so then on Instagram, there was a, someone going, hey, did you watch Obi-Wan? Put comments below, spoilers, so no one, if you haven't seen it, don't go into the comments. And I went into the comments, and I mean, <laughs> I loved the show. I thought, oh, this is magical. I feel like a kid again. You know, and then people were tearing it apart, and tearing it apart so much to the point where you almost go like, oh, maybe that makes sense. Well, maybe that show was shit. You know, just tearing it to shreds. But then I had to remind me, like, this is what we do on social media, whether it be Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show, or whether it be politics, or whether it be sexuality, or whether it be religion. You know, I mean, a lot of these shows go out and watch stuff like these, you know, to, to talk shit. Like, oh, I gotta watch this to talk shit. I gotta watch this to talk shit. I gotta do this to talk shit and, and, and tear things down. And so we get this influx of constantly, like, your opinion, opinion, opinion. Opinions are so important. Opinions matter. But opinions don't. Why? Because... It's two weeks later, and now we're thinking about 19 dead kids, but have we forgotten about our African brothers and sisters who were killed in the, hot, uh, in, in the supermarket? You know what I mean? Like, are, are, do we just move, are, and, and in a week or two from now, are we going to be thinking about something else? You know? So opinions are like farts in the wind, folks. You know? Your strongly worded opinion on Twitter and Facebook aren't changing the world, I'm afraid. And so this is why we have to learn to think differently and do things differently. I think it is time for us to think about how we bring about real change. And how we can work together to implement that and have these tough conversations. And maybe we have to force ourselves to, to meet, force these politicians and people like this to meet with us. Maybe we have to do that, or at least reach out to them. Um, but it, it's so strange. I, I'm glad that I have a diverse group of people that I've grown up around because, you know, it's funny to see people like, oh, these gun nuts. And then I saw another, like, literally the following, someone going, oh, all these anti-gun nuts. I'm like, we just think each other are nuts. You know, if we sat down and had a conversation about things, we might be able to go like, oh, yeah, you know what, maybe automatic rifles are a bit much. You know? Um, but I still like to hunt, and I do that. Okay, well, we want you to be able to hunt, but, you know, could maybe, you know, like, have a better license or have to be trained or, you know, maybe meet with a therapist or, you know... Like when you get a job, you get a rec, you know, someone recommends you, you know, you, you know, a family member comes in and gives a testimony on your behalf, you know what I mean? It's like maybe, those, you know, maybe we can sit down and have these conversations. Um, but they're really tough and it takes time. We're already working ourselves to the bone, you know? But I, th I think real change is, and I wore this. This necklace, this giant necklace, it says, uh, uh, <laughs> it says contradiction, because I think that there's some contradictions we're going to have to live with, but I think we can find a greater truth, which is a compromise of sorts above that, of what real change is going to have to look like. Because right now, we are so split in this country um, that unless we want a dictatorship of one side or the other, um, it's not going to work, folks. And I don't want to be a dictatorship. Um, I want people to be able to live their lives and live their lives well and enjoy their lives. Um, it's sh short and shitty down here sometimes. Um, I want people to be safe, but it's not my call to demand my own way, but it is my call to say, hey, I've got kids and this is what I'm worried about. 
and I think there's a better way, and I think there's a way that we can work this out together. And that's where change starts. And then maybe the next generation can say, hey, there's problems with what this change was. What, where do we go next from here? And it's growth, and it takes time. Um, but I promise you, if you're willing to listen and if you're kind to people, you will disarm them. I mean, I had somebody just recently come on my Instagram per personal, just direct message and, and really attack me about my dad. And I was very honest and we had a conversation and it was a back and forth and they ended up kind of apologizing and saying, oh, I'm sure you get this shit a lot. I'm sorry. You know, but it was through a hard conversation, but it was online. And we came to a point where we ended up both talking about our kids and being similar ages and, and things like that. So it's like, you know, it's possible even, you know, I, I think both sides don't expect either one to be rational or kind. And I think maybe if that would be the difference of this community, if you come out of this community, if you, well, you know, I'm a part of a community where we all think differently, you know, where some of us are Republicans and some of us are Democrats and we don't say that each, you know, we don't call each other Nazis or anything like that. You know, we can have, you know, and I know it's a small way to start, but right now it's the best idea I got. And I think the best thing we can do is show people we're willing to have tough conversations and that we're open and that we're not going to scapegoat them or attack them. Because if you're constantly attacked, you just want to run away, run away, run away, and nothing changes. Um, so we have to take the road less traveled. Now, this is a Christian ideal. I will tell you, it is, really is. Um, I mean... Even Paul goes as far as saying we get rid of all of our, our identities don't even play into these situations. You know, we just come in as, as, as fellow human beings. You know, so that's tough. But that's what, what change can look like. Uh, communicating well, disagreeing well. And arguing and then coming back later and saying, hey, I'm sorry, I got too heavy. You know, I was angry, I'm passionate about this, and so are you. You know, how can we talk about this in a better, more constructive way? Um, you know, and, and strangely enough, you know, you might find that we're all on the same page and that really some of the folks who are, who are more, more victims of misinformation aren't, aren't the people, but are the leaders. And that it's really our leaders who are afraid and that they're playing to a base. I would say most conservatives, and I've seen studies done that most conservatives want more background checks and it make it harder to get a, you know, a gun because people really need these back. I think it was like 86%, you know, it's, it's their representatives who are saying, no, we don't even want to talk about this. Well, one door on the school, you know, that's one guy. I'm sorry. I keep going there, but Ted Cruz really pissed me off this week. Um, but so did Joe Biden. Um, so yeah, there you go. I'm not in the middle, by the way. If, if anybody thinks I'm not in the middle, I'm just not into this system at all. Um, I'm just not in this system anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm disillusioned. But maybe some of you guys can help bring that hope back in me with this. Maybe the system still can work, but I don't know anymore. But thank God for punk rock, right? So, um, <laughs> um, oh, there's Steve. Oh, it just faded away. Your comment just faded away. Thank you, Steve. I always love to see Steve's comments. Um, yeah. So I honestly, I mean, guys, I just found out my, my daughter has COVID like right before I got on this, <laughs> right before I did this talk. And that's a lot, you know, she's only four and, um, but she should be fine. Uh, mom says she seems to be doing fine. And then my literally yesterday, I walked outside my door Saturday, and there's a big little note on my door saying, hey, we're raising your rent. And, and I guess maybe I'm feeling extra harsh on the government because I live in assisted, you know, I live in government housing. And so it's voted on by the, basically the, the government here in Washington. So they're the ones who decided that we must be able to pay more rent. Um, they probably thought that because gas is, so much cheaper now that we could afford extra rent. Anyway, so maybe I'm feeling a little anarchist today. Um, I, I couldn't imagine why I would feel that way. Uh, 
Anyway, I love you guys. Hey, listen, if you like what we're doing, um, they're not all rants. Usually there's a little bit more to them, but this week was very emotional for all of us. And when we're very emotional and, and, and we're going through tough times, um, we're going to come together and you might hear me rant. And hopefully one day, um, maybe I'll have somebody here uh, or on one of you, uh, somewhere else helping me with, this, with, with the questions because there's some great comments here. And I would like to be able to read them more, but they disappear. So I just need maybe like, you know, like Caleb used to be, but like maybe someone from somewhere else can come up like a little face on the box. Remember like the Jerry Falwell's old thing where they had the, the person who did sign language? You know, a little someone in the corner. Hey, Jay, we got a letter from <laughs> um, Do something like that. But we really could use your support. Um, it's been down, but obviously I was down last week. Oh, I told you I was going to tell you what happened last week is is uh, I went to bed without taking my, my medication uh, uh, that I've been on for a couple of years. That I'm, uh, and it just, I had this horrible nightmares all night. And then I was so exhausted, like I just couldn't barely even talk. And I had my kids. So I was just like, there's no way I can give a talk that's even going to make a, a little sense. I know that's not, they don't always make sense anyway, but I just couldn't do it. So I had to like cancel. So that's why I wasn't here uh, last week. But I will see you next week, folks. I'm excited about it. Um, if it's not me, we'll have somebody up here because it is my daughter's birthday next week, but we might be doing her um, her birthday on Saturday. So anyway, love you guys. Peace to you guys. And um, keep talking to each other. Argue well. And if you like what we're doing, go to revolutionchurch.com and make a donation. It would really help uh, a lot. It really does help a lot. So I, I'm grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for this community. Thank you so much. Love each other. Be kind to each other. Show grace to each other. Bye-bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.